Welcome back to this week's episode of the Movie Bevel Podcast. Yet again, I think we had no call-in last week. We have no call-in again. Just a couple scheduling conflicts, but anyways, it is uh, myself, Brennan, hosting again this week, and we have Nick on today. How's it going, Nick? It's good. No one else is ever joining the pod again. It's just us. Happy to be here. <laughs> Two-man show from now on. Uh, <laughs> talking about movies. Uh, it's pretty great. Uh. I'll do it with you anytime, but <laughs> <laughs> love to hear it. Um, so we had a pretty decently busy week, I'd say, and just in terms of content and in terms of films that uh, came out, whether it be streaming, whether it be in theaters only. Um, we did see Reminiscence come out, which was a dual release, theaters and HBO Max. The Lisa Joy uh, directed and written project starring Hugh Jackman and Rebecca Ferguson dropped to pretty dismal results at the box office and pretty middling reviews, but we'll get into that. Um, she is the wife of Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan's uh, brother, almost said Christopher Nolan's husband, <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Nolan's brother, Jonathan Nolan. Um, so that is that film dropped. We also had Annette, uh, which did launch in theaters a couple weeks ago that landed on prime this weekend. We also had the, Rebecca Hall-led horror vehicle, The Night House, which I really enjoyed. Can't wait to talk about that one. Nick saw it like 10 years ago. Um, yep. <laughs> Sundance 2020. And then obviously we got our Movie Babble Club pick of the week. Very excited to get into that at the end. That'll be Dennyville News Prisoners from 2013. We also had Paw Patrol hit theaters in Paramount Plus this weekend, but I don't think we'll be talking about that much. Other than... No, uh, didn't see that one, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry. Other than a Sorry, wholesome everybody. a wholesome note is uh I was working at, at the theaters on Saturday uh and I saw a little kid come in. He was probably three, maybe two. His parents said it's his first trip out to the theaters ever, so it was kinda sweet. Oh, that's cute. Good yeah. for that guy. Coming to see Paw Patrol. Um <laughs> he was like he he was ready. He was pulling out their legs saying, Let's go, let's go and he was like running in to the theater, so pretty cool. That's cute. Apparently, the movie's getting good reviews, though. So, yeah, it his is. First experience was a good one. It, yeah, I was reading how it's uh, it's much different than the shows in the respect that it's actually got some something there for the parents too. So, well, probably won't see it, but that's good. <laughs> <laughs> What's your first? How about you? What's your first movie uh, movie theater trip? Do you remember? Ah, uh, no idea. No idea. Honestly, it might. I don't know if. It, I have a vivid memory of going to see Elf with my dad and him falling asleep about 10 minutes in. Uh, but other than that, I feel like it was probably some kind of Disney movie. Isn't yeah. That's how it always starts, you know, some animated movie. Yeah. I got a ticket in my room of uh, a child ticket for Finding Nemo. And I, I say that's my first because it sounds good. It does sound good. Sounds yeah. really, really good. You were yeah. meant to be on this podcast. <laughs> so we're going to go with that. Uh, anyway, so we'll, we'll get right into reminiscence this uh, this weekend. So is this a movie you ever want to reminisce about or what? Um, no, not really, <laughs> unfortunately. It's one of those where um, I don't, like I will never say I, I strongly dislike this movie. It's totally fine. It exists. And uh, it's kind of a bummer because... I feel like this is kind of one of those movies where I always talk on this podcast where I really just want my 50 to $60 million movie with uh, like big movie stars in it. I want that kind of movie, and this is it. And it's just not good. <laughs> it's just very, very average. We'll, we'll get into particulars later, but yeah, it's just, it's just a pretty average movie. I can see why it, it bombed pretty hard this weekend. Yeah, you know, I was actually really excited for it just because I'm a... I love science fiction. I love sci-fi films. I think it's probably my favorite genre of movie. And I hadn't really seen many pr promo material for this thing, but I did see the trailer about 10 times. Uh, pretty much every trip to the theaters, Reminiscence played for me. That was like my free guy for everyone else. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> I nonstop saw this thing. So after the first time watching it, I was kind of shaky on that but then uh saw the trailer like 10 more times and then i was pretty sold <laughs> uh, i was excited you know so i went out uh opening night and um i didn't love this thing either but i do i, I did find enjoyment in it i think hugh jackman's always just kind of good 
you know, he, he, he brings a solid presence. We'll get more into that later on in the show, but <laughs> I think he always brings a pretty solid presence to the screen. But I think the real scene stealer here is Rebecca Ferguson, who kind of owns this movie. Yeah, I feel like every time I see her, I want her to be in a better movie. You know, I just th- I think she's so good. And other than the Mission Impossible movies, she's in a lot of just odd, like odd movies. She was in The Snowman. Remember that movie? I do. That was meme. That was memed into, into like I don't know, non-existence. The lead character's name is Harry Hole. That's just very <laughs> tough. Um, Greatest Showman, which people love, but I think is abysmal. Uh, then she was uh, the villain in The Kid Who Would Who Would Be King. Remember that movie? Yeah. She was the villain that showed up in the third act of that movie. Um, and then she was men and she was in Men in Black International as a person with four hands, four arms, I think. I remember that. And then she was in Doctor Sleep as Rose the Hat. And you uh, know, uh, <laughs> I mean, that movie's got a little bit of a following now, small one. But. Actually, I've always I've been meaning to check out the director's cut because apparently it's a lot better and it flushes her story of it, of it all out. Because like when I first watched it in theaters her being in it was just, it was just very bizarre her whole clan of people who eat children or whatever they do uh, but it's like three hours long so i just haven't gotten around to it maybe for halloween uh but yeah she's really good in this movie she's really really good i think she's so talented uh and i just kind of hope good things for her at all times yeah yeah she is really good i think every time she's in something she's solid we'll see her in dune in a couple months um, oh, yeah. Get it back on track. Yeah, so, I mean, she she's always busy, though. She is. And lately, especially, she's been quite busy. Like, the last few years, I've been seeing her pop up a lot. And I'm just happy that she, she kind of got a role like this, because I do feel like she, she really did own it. Even though her character wasn't 100% fleshed out, I don't think it fully needed to be in a way. She brought a lot of mystery to the movie. Could have been done a lot better, sure, but she was really good in the role. Yeah, I think that's the the most troubling piece of this is that her character is positioned as kind of the most important piece of this movie, right? So I guess we should probably explain the movie since no one's seen it, apparently. Uh, but so it's this big Westworld-esque thing where you can go back and revisit memories. Uh, the, the water levels are rising everywhere. People hate the world, so they just disappear into the past and kind of just live off their own memories. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson comes into Hugh Jackman's office one day. He runs this machine that takes people back in time, and they spark up a relationship, and then she goes missing soon after. So he's trying to figure out where she is and uncovering all these, like her connection to the CD underbelly of everything in the process. And um, yeah, I don't really... The movie really tries... It really hinges so hard on their relationship together because uh, it tries to make all these pseudo-intellectual points about time and our relationships to it. There's one there's one line that made me laugh really hard where Hugh Jackman in voiceover, he says something like, memory is a bead on the necklace of time. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) You know, it's one of those where it's it's trying to sound smart but it, when you actually think about it it's like wait does this make any sense i guess it's just it just is, it's just very stupid um but yeah the movie hinges on their relationship because uh, it's him trying to recover memory and love and all that other junk and it just uh, it just doesn't really work you know they have two scenes together and then she goes missing so you don't really get that immediate connection from the start so you kind of leave you're kind of wondering why you should care the whole time or at least i was yeah, that was a problem. That was a problem. I think the movie's nice to look at uh, visually. Oh, definitely. I agree. Yeah, and you can see where that $60 million budget came into play, right? Uh, kind of reminds me of Joker. Really nice to look at. But <laughs> maybe everything inside isn't the best, right? And it does it does look great. But um, I, I just wasn't that invested in a lot of these characters. I don't think it, it drew me in as much as it could have. Um, I love a good voiceover, but it just didn't do it for me. Even though Hugh Jackman's got a really nice voice, it just really didn't do it for me. He, does, he does got, he's got that good grovelly voice. It's very, uh, it's very leading man. You know, yeah. he's just snarling his way through. Well, especially prisoners. We'll get to that later. But he just, uh, he just, he just has that gravitas. You know. Yeah, I mean, 
Um, also, one prop to this film is the world building. I thought it was really interesting, uh, especially the first act, just how everything got set up. Um, I mean, it's it, it it's certainly a certainly a well built and realized world. I think uh, in reminiscence here, but um, the rest of the movie just isn't all that interesting. I don't hate this movie, but I don't uh, love it either. Yeah, it's and I I called it Westworld esque. I mean, because even without Lisa Joy's involvement, who is a big showrunner currently on uh, Westworld, you could, like, the comparisons are so clear. It's these, like, futuristic technologies and all these sort of things. They've, they, they definitely have a lot of similar themes and just the way they look, too. This looks like this could be the same thing. This looks like this, honestly, it probably should have been an HBO show. You know, this feels like this was... A lot of ideas packed into a less than two-hour movie. It should have been expanded out to some kind of series in some way. But um, yeah, she's got a lot of ideas. She was she's the sole writer on this. I think the, this movie I think has a lot of interesting things going for it. That I think that it doesn't really have enough time to kind of explore many of them. You know, because I think the I think the stuff a lot of the they write with the world building is really interesting because the water level has risen so far and crime is all over the place so it's kind of this it's not dystopian but it's certainly like it's close it's yeah it's it's probably like a couple generations away from being fully dystopian you know where everyone's just descending into chaos and i feel like that's a good idea to bring like memory and nostalgia as the driving force of this movie i think that's a really good idea because people are like you know this this world sucks we kind of just want to go back in time i think that makes a lot of sense but i yeah it's just it's jumping all over the place in a way that it's not very, it's not super coherent. I mean, you can follow the story. It's pretty, it's pretty easy to follow, you know, but, uh, I just don't, it's just not, it doesn't grip you at all. I, I don't know. I, I think this was a, this would have been a better idea as a, as a series. Yeah. Interesting point. Um, I don't think we'll reminisce on it too much more. So that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> you did there. let's head on to Annette, which, uh, <laughs> it landed on Amazon prime this weekend after it had a couple weeks making the rounds in theaters. I think you and me both saw it in theaters. Uh, yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I was making sure that... I feel like everything I heard about this movie is it's just the most bizarre thing. So I was like, I had to see it in theaters. Couldn't wait till Prime. Yeah, and it is. It is quite bizarre. So let's get into it. <laughs> um, did you like it? That's I've been curious because I have no idea. Hmm, that is, a, that is a great question. And I feel like with this movie, it's a very loaded question because it's so weird. Um, I think so. I think I liked it. Leo's Carex is a is a director who um, uh, is I think is generally considered one of the better um, like international filmmakers. Um, I don't I don't really have a lot of um, experience with him. I don't think I've seen any of his films. I've been meaning to watch Holy Motors for a real long time, but uh, I haven't. So um, I don't have a lot of experience with him, but I did know going in that this movie was going to be insane because he was involved. So I had my guard up in that sense. And it's, it's truly a, <laughs> it is truly a very weird thing to behold. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> and it's kind of the, uh, <laughs> Sparks is the, uh, group, right? That does the music for this film. Yeah. I don't know if a lot it's of Sparks content the past few months. That's what I was. That yeah, that's what I was. Documentary, yeah, yeah, because you had Edgar Wright. He 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 kind of led that documentary, right? The uh, yeah. the Sparks Brothers one that came out a couple months ago. So yeah, it's kind of the year a year of uh, Sparks. Um, it is a bizarre film, and I knew obviously you know you're getting into that. Everything that came out of Cannes, uh, kind of pointed towards yeah, this is going to be going to be odd. Um, but I'm so happy that it exists. I think that's like. That's kind of kind of one of the main things about it. I'm just it's kind of cool to see something on this size and stature come out, especially with uh, Adam Driver and uh, Marion Cotillard there, and Simon Helberg's fantastic too. He's good. Yeah, he's really good. I haven't seen him in too much. Like I know he's a he's a big Bang Theory guy, which I have not watched. I always found him to be good in Florence Foster Jenkins, which I only saw once, but he kind of was the best part of that movie. Um, yeah, he was really good here as well unbelievable flex just cashing in all that big bang theory money and then just going off and doing a leo's carrick's movie it's, it's just it's just amazing by him yeah i think the funniest thing that i was thinking of while watching this movie is people who 
because uh, like Prime, like they just released the Tomorrow War and all this stuff, and every time they have a new movie, it's just they plaster it all over the front of Prime, and I just think about somebody being just thinking, oh, we, this is this fun musical with Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard. I know those people, you know, Adam Driver, a great actor, Marion Cotillard from the Batman movies. This will be great. And they watch it and <laughs> they're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so that idea of some random person just putting this on Friday night just <laughs> had me laughing because it is just, this movie is relentlessly weird. It's like it's... Every it takes every opportunity to make things as bizarre as possible. It's so funny in that way. <laughs> yeah, and um, certainly uh, it'd be great if Prime had some some filming capabilities going on for audience members at home. I want to see yeah, how fast really. people how fast people turn this thing off. <laughs> I think the well, because the first scene I think is conventionally kind of cool because they enter with the Sparks singing their song. And there's voiceover by one of them telling everyone to stop talking and don't breathe for the next yeah. two hours and 20 minutes, which is really funny. And they start the song, and it's this whole meta thing, and then Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard come out, and they're like walking down L.A. And it's really cool. And then the movie starts, and it takes a, a major left turn. <laughs> yeah. No, it's odd. And um, obviously, we knew this thing was all going to be in song, which was kind of, I, I wouldn't say the big selling point. I mean... I don't think you need to really sell this thing. It's it's interesting enough that, that it sells itself. But this was like the first thing that really came out about this movie several, several months ago that it was going to be all in song. And it really was. Like it was – they didn't really hesitate on that. Um, and they, they stuck the landing for me. Like it, it really did flow like that. I, I thought it was going to be a little bit jarring. But uh, I, I, I enjoyed it and appreciated it. Yeah, it has a lot well, – has way more in common with – some of the more classic European musicals than it does with Hollywood musicals where it's, I thought a lot of like Jacques Demy films while watching this where it's a lot of talk singing and I mean, everything's in song, but um, it's a lot of like, they're filling the gaps between big numbers with talk singing and other stuff like that. And um, a lot of vibrant colors. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it is pretty crazy. I thought it, I knew, I knew that Marion Cotillard was a great singer, obviously. I mean, um, but and, and we knew Adam Driver a little bit from his one scene, that amazing scene in Marriage Story, where he, where he sings, what is it, Being Alive, I think is the song. Um, but watching him kind of carry this entire movie was pretty staggering. I, I, didn't quite, I didn't quite know he had this type of, of performance in him, and I was really impressed. He can do anything. I swear. Like he really I th- can. He's so good. <laughs> I think he's really flexed it these last few years and he he's 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 at the top right now of his game. Like he's he's so. really yeah. operating at an insane level. And I think we're almost getting I'm not going to say too much content from him or too many movies from him because um he's great, but we're getting a lot of Adam Driver uh a lot of Adam Driver lately, a lot of films. And we got Last Duel coming out later on this year. We got House of Gucci coming out later on this year. Um, he's a busy guy and uh, I think it's uh, personally I think it's pretty cool he's just one of our best actors I mean even though I didn't realize he could do this like even before that I was like he's just unbelievable he's so so good but yeah I the thing <laughs> I think the Adam Driver stuff on stage is so funny because it's it's equal parts actually funny and then it's this weird meta like comment on the very nature of how comedians work you know because he's he's up there talking to the audience about how he's supposed to give these witty observations about life that they're supposed to laugh at and he's telling them exactly when to laugh you know uh and they all eat it up and then it takes it to the like the, the like the extreme of of it all uh, i don't want to spoil it but it's so funny where he mentions how comedians are supposed to kind of bear their souls a little bit and be like share like really embarrassing stuff about their lives whether it's true or not but to make people laugh out of like secondhand embarrassment and stuff like that and he goes into this long speech about how awful he is <laughs> and the crowd just turns on him and it's so funny they just go crazy and they start singing um out about how much of a monster he is uh, it's it's really really good I, I loved all of that stuff i thought it was so goofy and weird that's a good. Uh, that's a very good scene. That's a, that's a very good sequence. Um, I second all that. I love those scenes. Uh, all all the stand up scenes. Very good. 
And the movie kind of, it doesn't, obviously it doesn't open with one, but there's one very early on that I think sets the tone really well for the rest of the movie and just kind of mm. how bizarre it's going to be. Um, what did you think of, because this was all the talk, I think, coming out of its festival debut. What do you think of the baby? Puppet, <laughs> puppet baby. See, I didn't know any of that was coming mm. at all. So, um, well, I was curious about it because you watch the trailer and it kind of hides what's going on with the baby. Right. You know that it, the baby starts singing at the end. They tease at that. But I didn't see any of this, like anything on Twitter or anywhere else about how it's a puppet. So <laughs> when that showed up, I thought that was the funniest thing. It was so baffling. <laughs> it was really, really funny. <laughs> Man, it was, it was, it was hilarious. I don't know. It was very weird to look at unsettling almost to look at that baby oh, absolutely <laughs> i was terrified by the parts <laughs> one of the one of the creepiest things i've seen in in just movies this year um that baby but i think uh we won't go into it but i think it it, it does uh kind of pay off for the story oh yeah i think it goes in a really interesting way uh yeah i don't know quite how to this is one of those movies where you know people are people say you gotta watch stuff more than once to get it i think this is actually one of those where i don't know quite how i feel about this movie because it's such a weird assault of stuff you know (laughs) like it's just so many weird strange things and it's clearly a satire because this adam Adam drive driver character is this monster (laughs) it it plays it plays into that so weirdly and funny and it's clearly some kind of comment on the fall of some great man or whatever. And there's a little bit of stars born in there. The, like the bones of the story are actually pretty simple, like pretty simple. Right. And it's just like the rise and fall. And then there's a baby, you take advantage of the baby, stuff like that for their um, talent. And you go from there. Uh, but just everything about it is just presented so strangely. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of hard to discern when the movie wants you to take it seriously, or if it wants it, you to take it seriously at all, you know? So it's kind of, it's a very, very uh, crazy uh, sensory experience. And it's also two and a half hours long. So it's quite <laughs> a long experience too. So. Yeah. I want to um, tr- watch this thing again, I think since now it's on Prime. But there, there are some specific scenes that I really want to rewatch. Like I think there were a lot of scenes that were really good. I love the opening and I love that song. Uh, mm-hmm. So may we start? Very good opening. But there are definitely a lot of scenes I want to go back and revisit. Um, both stand-up scenes, I think, are very worthy of revisiting. Um, uh, yeah, this is just this is a movie that I, I don't think it's one of my favorites of the year, but it's certainly interesting enough to to beg to be kind of a part of the conversation for a while. Yeah, you're gonna go back and revisit that uh that sex scene again. That we're gonna look at. <laughs> and that came early. That came very early. <laughs> very early. I was very not off put. I was just like, whoa, taking it back. Because that that was also massively talked about in the first reactions. So that's something I was anticipating, and I thought it was gonna come late. So I was like, oh yeah, this is we're gonna be kind of building to something like that. But no, it was like first twenty minutes, first twenty five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely, and then from there you're just thinking, where is this movie gonna go? That mo- that part isn't Some... even that crazy compared to the rest of the movie. No, it's not. People <laughs> overblown or people blew that. It's not really that big of a deal. But uh, the movie does it gets weirder and weirder from there. That's <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, they go out into a boat. Things happen there. <laughs> it's all very strange. <laughs> there's a lot going on, but I mean, we are we are happy that it happened. And how, how do you feel now that you finally got to see it? You've been. Uh... You were waiting for so long for this. Yeah, this was part of my uh, movie draft, summer movie draft. Right. I'm happy. It's just, it's just, it's one of those. I'm so happy it exists. It's so weird. Yeah. And I, the the, the troll in me thinks it's hilarious that so many people will be seeing this movie <laughs> that I will have, well, they'll have no idea what to do with it when they watch it. Yeah. They'll just probably convulse and turn it off, you know, because it's just, it is such a weird thing. Um, I don't. Know, I saw this in theaters, and the people who, like the few people that were in there with me, were uh, were so baffled. Like I could hear how it's kind of one of those, one of those silences where you can hear how silent it is. Does mm. that make sense? Mm. Like people are kind of wrestling, not saying anything, but they're clearly like, like aghast to like what's happening. It's a. Uh, it's great. <laughs> yeah, Leo's character. I want to jump into his filmography more because I feel like 
from everything I hear about Holy Motors, that seems like it's kind of my bag. So uh, that's a must I'm after this. That's that's a must watch. Yeah. I'm I'm here for all of, all of that weirdness. It's I it's I don't know if Annette all the way works because uh, I just don't know what I'm looking at half the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is an it is it, it's an amazing experience. One on one. Yeah, you you drafted well on that one. <laughs> I am happy. Cannot well, no complaints from me. Yeah. Um, so now we'll segue into one of our theater exclusives here in the month of August, and that is The Nighthouse from David Bruckner. So you saw this a long time ago, as you said, back at Sundance 2020, which would have been Jan 2020. Um, that's that's a while back, so you have not seen it since? No, but it is one of those that has stuck with me since. Uh, I think it's really effective, but we'll get to that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, really like, I really like this movie. I think it's really good. Yeah, and you know, I, I saw it without knowing anything about it. I just knew that you got a very small budgeted horror movie dropping here late in August and it has pretty good reviews so I just wanted to check it out Mm -hmm. um went on Friday night and it got a pretty low cinema score but I felt like my audience really liked it like it it kind of had like Mm -hmm. you know as you said the silence from Annette where you hear that rustling this one was completely dead silent throughout it was like a quiet place almost level silence and I think there's a scene early on with a We'll talk about the movie in a sec, but Rebecca Hall is obviously our lead. We have a scene early on with her. She's a teacher. She's speaking to a parent that comes in to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, from that point on, no one said or did anything in the theater. Like It was completely uh, <laughs> completely locked in from then on out. And yeah, I don't know. I, I really liked it. So don't want to spoil it too hard because, I mean, that's what I appreciated about it. I had no idea anything about this movie going in. So, I mean, it's just, it's essentially Rebecca Hall-driven psychological horror movie. Um, Dread is kind of consuming her. Yeah, I don't really want to get into too much about it, but I do want to get into how great it is, because I I, I found it to be phenomenal. I think it's one of my favorites of the year. Yeah, I think the only thing you really need to know is that her, kind of what the trailer tells you, it's a pretty good trailer, and it doesn't really spoil a lot of the cool stuff in it. Um, and hints at it, but yeah, like her husband died in the parent suicide shortly before, and she starts to learn stuff about what uh, her husband was doing, and it gets weirder and weirder, and it kind of it almost shifts into three different movies. It turns into like a like a loud haunted house movie, then it's this kind of mystery thriller, trying to figure out what's going on, uh, and then it turns into an all out kind of amazing uh, like great horror imagery filled uh finale capper that's really good and some of the there's some amazing horror imagery in this movie that i don't want to spoil obviously it's just it's just a really impressive like well-made movie i'm surprised that the cinema score isn't that high on it because it to me it feels like it's one of those where it's it's a movie that does work for mainstream audiences because there's a lot of really good jump scare ish scares not quite your standard jump scares but really good like visceral horror moments and then mm-hmm. like for people like us a little bit who kind of look at these things a little slightly deeper where it's these really good thematic beats to it too i'm surprised it's not more beloved by people who have seen it so far yeah they pulled the wrong audiences <laughs> i guess they did i don't know it's i think it's great yeah it's it is a good movie and as you said that that's right it, it does have a lot of pretty deep thematic elements to it. I uh, didn't really see expect that going in, really, um, but it did. I think, uh, as I said, it, it, it there's a lot of dread following Rebecca Hall's character. Um, the, the film deals a lot with death, obviously, with, with what's up with her husband, and I think it did it in a incredible manner. And as you said, it's also kind of a mystery thriller. You watch this movie unfold, it is quite riveting to watch. Yeah, especially that second act that just becomes totally different. Um, and it's also one of those two where you think that the movie's going to tease you for a really long time, and then all of a sudden it's bang. There's this crazy horror sequence where thing like loud noises are clanging all over the place and things are happening, and uh, and it, it just really changes um, what you expect out of this movie. And then it and then it kind of settles back down, and then more crazy stuff happens later on. But it's a really good. Um, there's a really good like opening sequence where you're like, oh, wow, this is, uh, I'm ready for this. Yes. Yeah. I'm ready for where this is going to take me. Yeah, this film has a lot of 
solid, like, I'd say four to five minute sequences throughout that I think are pretty top notch in terms of kind of sending you on a trip. Um, there's one, I think, I'm not going to say where actually, but it, but it is in there, but it's about a five minute or so sequence that it was pretty jaw dropping. You don't really, it might be the one you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, it was pretty good. About five minutes, just kind of pure insanity, very unsettling. It's one of those movies where you're in the theater and you kind of feel it in your guts. You feel it in your insides. Like you, you're not scared mm-hmm. in the way that you're scared for something to pop out. Um, but you're feeling pretty sick about the story you're watching, I'd say. Yeah, I think the Rebecca Hall character um, is definitely, she's dealing with a lot. Um, I'm curious to see if people think that that it is like she, the, what she's going through is realized in like a responsible manner. I'm curious if they if it people think it's going overboard or not. Um, but her like she's dealing with a lot. And her her performance is really good too because there's some at some points where she's kind of well. There's one point where she's truly drunk. She's chugging back stuff, uh, but she's like she's kind of goofy and like kind of like laughing at some of the hysteria that's happening. It's a really good lead performance from her that I think it's like we've seen in so many lesser of these movies where it's just the woman in peril and uh, she's just scared at everything. Um, But Rebecca Hall takes a few moments to kind of realize the ridiculousness of this and laugh at it. Um, and kind of like chew the scenery a little bit. And I really, I really appreciated that. I thought she was so good in this movie. Yeah, no, she is great. Um, this is definitely going to be a movie because it didn't open super wide. It got a pretty wide release, but it wasn't everywhere this weekend. And it also didn't do massive numbers at the box office. I think people are going to find this movie at some point and kind of cling to it. Um, wherever that may be. I know that since it is one of those Disney Fox merger movies, it has to go to HBO first. So I do hope a lot of people on film Twitter find this thing at some point because I think it is is certainly worth the watch. And if you can make it up to a theater, I would certainly uh, do it for this movie. Yeah, I imagine because it'll probably go to Hulu at some point. Yeah, you because know, it's the the Fox part. That's where they put all the Fox stuff, right. the stuff that doesn't fit the Disney mold. Uh, but yeah, this movie is, is it's really terrific, and the the director uh, David Bruckner. He did you see that movie a few years ago? It was called The Ritual. It was a Netflix um, original. I have not. So that was his last movie, um, and it, it feels like in a lot of ways is like a training run for this movie, hmm. and it's a lot of it's one of those where it's weird stuff happening in the woods one of those movies yeah um and it's kind of teasing you along for the first two acts you think that the stuff that it's kind of like gesturing at or it's like the stuff that you think may come it's one of those where you're like ah, the, the horror is probably never going to come right it's one of those movies uh but then it comes and it's really fun and it's really really cool it's a really cool third act and it plays a lot with the same kind of i don't want to spoil how do i say this but there's a lot of um point of view horror in a lot of ways where um like you see stuff in the woods and you're like oh that's a branch and then it moves and it's really creepy right it's really good and there's similar stuff to that with uh i guess i'd say profiles in this movie that are amazing that are really good it's like um, unbelievable horror imagery so i think he's a talented guy he worked on the uh he did he did one of the segments on the vhs movie a few years ago mm-hmm. and he's actually working on a new hellraiser movie currently with the same uh, writers uh, as this movie too so but also uh, david goyer is involved in that so we'll see how <laughs> he produced this but, uh, he was a producer on yeah, this one that's true uh, but um so yeah he's he's getting snatched up to do uh more the horror stuff so i think he i think he's a really talented guy and this is a good movie it's kind of one of those where it uses a lot of the exact same like stuff you've seen before in other movies um like spooky house spooky i guess horror iconography i don't want to say too much but um it it, there's a lot of um familiar beats to this movie but it kind of blends them together for something that feels not super familiar it's pretty fun yeah i agree um so that is the night house certainly worth the watch uh now we'll get into this week's pick for the movie Babel club kind of the week of denny villeneuve i feel like he's been 
trending on Twitter every single day, whether it be positive or negative news. Um, and I also, I mean, we found out he has a film Twitter account to, to check out movie news and such. So this is where I ask <laughs> you, Nick, uh, since you picked us to talk about prisoners, uh, are you Denny Villeneuve? Yeah, it's me. <laughs> it's me all along. I've been making <laughs> millions of dollars on movies, uh, but I choose to be on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, he's been funny. he's been everywhere. He's he's kind of been for better or for worse. I think this is kind of cool for Dune because I swear every day Dune is trending because of Denny Villeneuve and stuff he talks about. <laughs> so you wonder if he's doing it just for the press? Because <laughs> I yeah, think he's never been he's never been a guy to like talk a lot. I don't know. I think no. it's kind of mysterious. Yeah. yeah, maybe he just feels he's got he's got a voice now after dropping so many bangers last decade. Um, <laughs> so we'll get into prisoners here. Uh, I'll I'll throw it to you since this was your pick for the week. Uh, open it up here. Yeah, I had never seen prisoners before. I figured, well, we had a Hugh Jackman movie come out this week. Uh, Dune is right on the horizon, so I figured, why not? And uh, yeah, this is a uh, not hilarious movie. Uh, very very serious movie um, which I think a lot of people have seen it's pretty popular by this point but uh, Hugh Jackman's kid and Viola Davis and Terrence Howard's kid get abducted in the middle of the street on Thanksgiving and then it's um, they they don't really team with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's detective uh, but they uh, they kind of connect and it's trying to figure out race against time to figure out kidnapper where the kids are all that stuff very harrowing movie um, and it's it's pretty good I think people have elevated this movie to uh, kind of like instant classic uh, like stuff. And I, I, I don't know. I don't quite fall in that camp, but I think it's a very good movie. Yeah. So out of just before we do jump into this one, how many uh, have you seen any of his? Because this is his first English movie. Obviously, he's a Canadian Quebecois director uh, initially. <laughs> right. So he did four French movies before jumping into Hollywood uh, movie making. Have you seen any of his uh, prior to Prisoners? Maybe Ensemble? I don't think so. I've been meaning to for a while because he did probably Technique as well. Maelstrom mm-hmm. is another one of them mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen any of those. Yeah, so now I mean, I see I've seen Polytechnique, but uh, this is now me finishing up. I had seen Prisoners a while ago when I was much younger, but this is I've kind of now. As, as of kind of the last 12 months, now seen all his English language movies plus Polytechnique. But I know Asandi is like highly revered by by some people. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. look, point to that as his best movie. So that's certainly the direction I want to go in for Dune Drops in October. But yeah, for me, I love this movie. I do love Prisoners. Um, absolutely adore it. I think... Hugh Jackman's overacting is great here. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable overacting job. Um, and I think I think he does a good job here. And I also think you have, maybe if you don't think, personally this is an instant classic movie for you, I do think we have an instantly memorable character out of Paul Dano here. Ooh, interesting. I guess so. I mean, there is a lot with that character, and he's really good. Yeah, and I just um, I just feel like it's 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 a performance that's always kind of talked about in this movie whether it be just kind of following the genre of Paul Dano getting beat up or not, but... Oh, yeah. There's something... I would love to just study him. He just <laughs> loves... He just loves playing awful people or just people who get their, like, everything beat in. So I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Okay, I kind of feel free now because we can talk spoilers for this film since it's our... Yeah, let's do it. Uh, it's our movie we'll battle it. club a picture, but... Oh my goodness, he gets put through the ringer, and it's kind of hard to watch. <laughs> it really is. The the, the scene that's really well crafted where uh, they show his bloodied face and his swollen shut eyes is really effective. Oh my it's god. really, really good. Yeah, yeah and, and that's when really you think tough. that's when you think it's going to end for him, but uh, Viola Davis, who she's there, she's uh, Terrence Howard's character's wife, they kind of bring her over. I thought at that point she'd kind of find some compassion in it and uh, get them to stop, but she's like, nah, keep it going. <laughs> like she, she, yeah. she's soft with him, but she, like Terrence Howard, he's Terrence Howard. He's kind of his character's kind of the moral uh, gr- gr- uh, compass here in the group. He's kind of trying to get Hugh Jackman to stop this. Like maybe this isn't our guy. Maybe he didn't take 
our daughters. I think uh, I, I, that kind of shocked me. <laughs> Viola Davis's character is like, you know, let's just kind of keep it going. He, he's got to he's got to <laughs> tell us. Yeah, I think so. The, the one of the things that I think doesn't quite work about this movie is um, the way it uses torture. I think it's trying to do some kind of morality thing with torture about like, oh, it's not the right way to do it, but it helped get the job done or some weird thing. I don't. I don't think this movie fully reckons with um, the torture that it's depicting. I don't think it's it's not condemning it, but I also think it's it's not also being like, yo, torture is sick either. It's in a weird middle ground. I don't know if it quite, if it totally understands what's going for there. I'm not quite sure. That's one of the things I struggled with. Yeah, that's a decent point. Um, yeah, you know, it it is certainly a movie that that it, it does play a big. The torture elements do play a big part in its third act and kind of where Hugh Jackman's character goes. Um, and mm. and does he kind of deserve some? uh repercussions for what he had been putting paul dano through for the first little bit of Mm -hmm. this movie um i was pretty gripped though for a lot of the film like it for me it's a movie that where i just couldn't wait to see what was gonna happen scene after scene and it a lot of it is being interested in the interactions between the characters i think i was pretty riveted between um like just kind of anytime you see characters kind of approach each other on the screen, I, I was pretty excited for what was going to happen next, especially as you said, Jake Gyllenhaal, he's the detective here when he sort of starts picking up on maybe Hugh Jackman's uh, got, got a foot in this somehow. And he kind of follows him over to the liquor store. I thought a lot of those interactions were, were pretty, uh, pretty exciting. Yeah. It's if for a movie that's over two and a half hours, it's, there's something like shit's about to go down in every scene, which is why I think people like it so much. Cause there's you're seconds away from someone blowing up in someone else's face or something crazy happening. Um, and I think the movie is more interested in just displaying the craziness of it all and not, um, totally exploring. Like, I think I ultimately think this movie is like kind of a trashy airport novel that's done up really, that that's done up really good by, Denny Villeneuve, who's one of the better directors working, and Roger Deakins and Johan Johansson's score that I think makes it sound... It makes it, it has a really good like string score that makes the movie sound more intellectual than I think it actually is. Uh, but it is so watchable, uh, for better or for worse. Because <laughs> it's a lot of awful stuff happening, but you just... It's true, you're on the edge of your seat being like, what's going to happen next? Like, what is, what is this? And I think it does tap into something there, but... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it is, it is. I was just hooked watching it. <laughs> yeah, Deacon's cinematography, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. It's just he's just a god. He's he's the best. He's so so good. I love the takes in this movie. Uh, just those nice long takes that he's he's kind of mm-hmm. we've become accustomed to with him. Um, I I think it's shot quite well. Yeah, the the washed out cinematography, everything is just like oppressively bleak and white and gray. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's really terrific. Yeah. Did you find, cause for me, I thought everything came together really well in that third act. I think we had, um, obviously you have uh, David Dusmalchian come in here and he's creepy as usual playing his usual creepy he's, self. He is always the creepy guy. I kind of feel bad for him. <laughs> him and Paul Dano to me are in the same category of like, actor. Yeah, he, I feel like he's just been kind of, cause He's kind of got like a creepy face. You know? He's been typecast. <laughs> and he, he knows he it. No, no, he does. He does. I think, yeah. I mean, I saw Dave Batista tweet the other day um, how he wants him and Jason Momoa in a buddy cop movie or something like that. And funny enough, uh, Colin is the one who I think brought that idea to the internet. Remember that? Oh, a few, yeah, a few mo- yeah, yeah. Yeah. A few months ago, Colin tweeted that. And then Dave, Dave Batista responded. So I think, I guess, Dave Bautista, that's been, Collins put something in Dave Bautista's mind because he's been thinking about that for months. <laughs> because he, yeah, he's been speaking, he's spoken into existence. Yeah, he because, t- <laughs> yeah, Dave Bautista tweeted last week how he wants that to happen. I saw David Desmaltrian uh, respond and say, can I be the creepy guy that you guys find at the store <laughs> or something like that? I'm like, yeah, like he knows. He's pretty self-aware of his typecast. Yeah, he is good at it. So if he's okay with it, then go for it, man. Because he's very, very good at it. He's very good in this movie. Yeah, no, he is. I, I, but for me, I liked how a lot of this movie came together in the third act. Um, 
I like Jake Gyllenhaal on this movie. I think he, uh, I think he fit the role well. His blinky self. I'm, th- I'm so happy you mentioned this because I have no idea what he's doing in this movie. I'm so, <sighs> I, I'm so fascinated by it because he made a choice. Yeah. And I respect him for making the choice, but I can't tell if it's good or not. You know. Yeah. Because his, well, first of all, his character name is Detective Loki, which is hilarious. <laughs> I laughed. Um, it's very very funny, but he has the, the dude bro like neck tat. Of I don't even know what it is, but then he has his collared shirts buttoned up all the way, and he has his hair slicked back. Yeah, he's he's going for something in this movie, and I, don't I know bought it. Quite what for it me, is. for and me, I, I bought it. I don't know if it works, but yeah. So it works for you though. Yeah, it works for me. I, I like Jake Gyllenhaal on this thing. Um, however, the names of some of the characters are bad. Like Detective Loki's funny. First time they mentioned it, I laughed. And then Paul Dano's character being Alex Jones is just... Uh, uh, does not age. Not, <laughs> age well. no, not at all. <laughs> Maybe in 2013 you get a pass, but that is so funny. I It took me like four times, them saying it, for me to get over it. Alex Jones. It's just tough. It's a very it's a very common name, but it just it's tough. You just can't use it anymore without any without us going to that Alex Jones. It's it's very very tough for all those people named that out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel bad. Like I'm I'm so immature for this, but it was funny. <laughs> yeah, it's uh what are the other weird names in this? I feel like there are some other ones. Even I guess Keller Dover, Hugh Jackman's lead name's kind of odd. Yeah. That's a very macho fake macho guy yeah that's very funny i'm trying to look him up oh uh terrence howard's franklin birch oh, that's not that's not too weird it's not bad um no i feel like that we got them all yeah keller uh, there's, there's one guy named officer wedge that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah i don't know i think detective loki <laughs> and scroll through imdb to see the funny names here <laughs> detective loki and alex jones that's like that's like two like you can debate what's weirder there that's a that's a funny funny pairing yeah that's top tier right there (laughs) um yeah this movie is pretty acted like acted the shit out of though i think like it's it is um so where does this fall for you in uh, the ranking of uh danny villeneuve yeah it's i was thinking about it um i don't know because i guess i'll look at it in terms of his English language movies because I haven't seen his his other four but um, I would say it's probably at the bottom of his uh, his English language movies because I kind of feel like he's Villeneuve has turned into the like the Christopher Nolan dude bro guy like people are now shifting towards like you know Denny Villeneuve is really really good it's like yeah we all know he's great like we're not saying like come on guys uh, so he's kind of in that same mold as as the, as the Nolan Bros, but I think he's a really good director. I think he's very talented, uh, and I. But I think Prisoners is. Um, I just think it's the least interesting script, if I'm being honest, that he's worked with in terms mm-hmm. of his English language stuff. Because um, his directing is really good. Uh, it's just really, really, really good stuff, and he's he's great with perform with performance uh, performances. But um, yeah, I think this is at the bottom. I think Arrival is my favorite of the of his English language stuff. How about you? This could be my favorite, maybe. Um, it's tough though. But what I really appreciate about him is I think there's a lot of diversity in what he's put out. Like mm-hmm. going from this to Enemy to Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner. I think there's a lot of uniqueness. Obviously, they all have his touch. As yeah, like of course, but. I think you can watch a lot of like you watch his movies. You're seeing a lot of different things get put on the screen each time. Um, Arrival's definitely rivaling it um, as is Blade Runner 2049. Uh, probably those three for me, Prisoners, Arrival and Blade Runner are like in a top tier, but I, I love me some Sicario. That movie hits. Yeah. I wonder if that movie's legacy has been squandered a little bit by the sequel. The sequel's just not good. Uh, <laughs> Trump was like, "What well, isn't Trump been like, yeah, that's what happens at the border. This movie sucks. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> he used, yeah, he used footage from the second movie to like say something. Yeah, something about that on Twitter. Yeah. yeah something like that. Yeah, you're right. But I did watch it like a month ago, and it, the first one, and it is, it's still really good. And Benicio Del Toro, for me, that's like his, 
that's his role like he he kills that movie ah so good so so good yeah um great score too oh my god there there's some really good tracks absolutely that's yeah deacon's on it again just yeah crazy yeah i mean he's just he's put out a lot of good movies here and i gotta i'm gonna probably revisit enemy two in the next couple days um that's another one that's probably his arguably most interesting movie to to watch. I think there's because it's a movie that it, it's before he kind of got to have big budgets and solid budgets, right? It's mm-hmm. it's, it's his last kind of real tiny movie. Um, I know he said after the Dune, hopefully Dune movies. He said he wants to go back to more mid budget movies like Prisoners, um, kind of that level of filmmaking, but. Yeah, Enemy's one that I, I certainly would recommend if you haven't checked it out to anyone listening. Yeah, Enemy's good. Really good. Well, I guess two really good Jake Gyllenhaal performances <laughs> in that movie. Uh, it's, that's, that's a, that is a puzzle box of a movie, and it's really interesting. It's it's one of those that I've watched a few times, too. The, I think you get something new out of it every time. Really, yeah. really terrific. For sure. Um, so that is this week's episode of the Movie Level Podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week with Candyman. How exciting is that? Finally, we have Candyman after over a year of being delayed. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, breaking news that just moved. No, I'm just kidding. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm oh really, my goodness. I, I'm here for Nia DaCosta. She's a great director. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's going to be a good way to uh, pretty much round out the summer before Shang-Chi comes Uh on the Labor Day weekend. But yeah, so that will be next week. Looking forward to it. As always, you can check out all of our content on the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere, and obviously at themoviebevel.com. That's where to go. And we will be back next week, as always. Bye.